Greetings. Joseph Kursky here with you now on another edition of our Thinking Spatially podcast. This month, our podcast is as follows. Daniel Burnham, B-U-R-N-H-A-M. Daniel Burnham, making no small plans. Make no little plans. They have no magic to stir men's blood. This off-sighted call for thinking outside the box was originally stated by architect Daniel Hudson Burnham. Burnham had an impact on urban geography and how, how people live in cities that was even more lasting than his statement. Again, his statement is, make no little plans. They have no magic to stir men's blood. In other words, make big plans. Burnham, 1846 to 1912, was an American architect and city planner. After the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, when the city was desperate for planners and builders, Burnham, along with his partner John Wellborn Root, joined the others hoping to make an enduring impact on the future look of the city. The partnership was a fruitful one as, quote, Root was creative and versatile. Burnham, practical and businesslike, was a superb administrator, Gale 1999. Burnham's iron, steel, and terracotta buildings with their flowing lines influenced skyscrapers beginning in the last decade of the 19th century and far into the next century. In fact, his fame began with the Montauk Building in Chicago, 1881, which was the first building that the term skyscraper was applied. I had the pleasure of visiting it some years ago, and I highly recommend it. It was the first tall building in Chicago to achieve commercial success, containing fireproofed iron beams, 10 floors, resting on the first example of floating raft foundations. In the following century, skyscrapers would transform nearly every city in the world, influencing the shape, size, and importance of urban areas on a global scale, but also influencing transit work environments, and microclimates on a neighborhood scale. Burnham was instrumental in designing and constructing the World Columbian Exposition in 1893 in Chicago, which was a massive complex of buildings on a site to mark the 400th anniversary of Columbus's landing in the Americas, at a magnificence and scale of which had never been seen before. It covered more than 600 acres, 2.4 square kilometers, and featured canals, lagoons, and 200 temporary buildings. Over 27 million people attended the five-month run of the exposition from 46 countries. In many ways, it represented the birth of modern American city planning, including aspects of planning that are seldom thought of, such as sanitation and electricity. In social terms, it did more than perhaps any other single event for people to start thinking of the United States as a leading world country, culturally, architecturally, and industrially. The exposition was a triumph, and that year, Burnham received honorary architectural degrees from Harvard and Yale universities, and he was elected president of the American Institute of Architects. Again, all of this in 1893. You can visit pieces of the exposition if you know where to look in Chicago, and I had the pleasure of doing this on several work trips. I highly encourage you to do that. After the Columbian Exposition, 
Burnham worked on plans for sections of Manila in the Philippines, Cleveland, Detroit, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco. He also led the way in making buildings less prone to fire. He was a leader in the City Beautiful movement, which was a response to the rapid population growth in urban America during the latter part of the 1800s, due largely to immigration coupled with unprecedented industrial expansion. This movement, as part of the Age of Reform, sought to bring uniformity and order to chaotic urban construction. The movement held that cities should create breathable, beautiful open spaces for their residents. The fact that today's Chicago lakefront is not clogged with buildings and railroads can be partly attributed to Burnham's Chicago Plan of 1909. Chicago's expressway system of today followed his plan for regional highways, and the rings of forest preserves west of the city follow his Greenbelt Plan. His influence in Washington, D.C. saw to the removal of some buildings and railroads from the National Mall in an attempt to restore some of the original vision that L'Enfant had for the city way back in 1792, along with tree-lined streets, fountains, and tree-lined vistas. Burnham had direct influence in over 100 projects, including office blocks, civic centers, department stores, libraries, and railroad stations, such as the Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago, 1900, the Flatiron Building in New York, 1902, and Union Station in Washington, D.C., 1907. Burnham and Root designed and constructed buildings that cost $40 million, which was an unprecedented record. Burnham's Chicago plan infused much of urban and cultural geography, called, quote, one of the most important historic documents ever produced in this field of city planning, end quote. It addressed four basic aspects of civic life, including dwellings, work, transportation, and recreation. In terms of its construction recommendations, it included boulevards radiating from a civic center, city and county park systems, bi-level riverfront drives, and a ring system of boulevards. Chicago's citizens embraced Burnham's plan, teaching it to the children in the city's public schools, appointing and financing an influential committee to carry it out, and voting for taxes and bond issues. With these funds, they purchased thousands of acres for an outer park system, cut broad thoroughfares through dense city districts, filled in miles of parkways along the lakefront, built recreation piers out onto the lake, adorned the parks with monuments and created playgrounds. The practice of filling in water with land that could be built upon as parks or buildings, which began before Burnham's time in Boston, Washington, D.C., Rotterdam, and elsewhere, became more frequent. In modern times, just about every city in the world near a major water body has seen some infill. Perhaps the most striking modern example are the marinas and office towers in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Environmentally, Burnham was at the forefront of a growing number of people at the beginning of the 20th century, including Theodore Roosevelt and John Muir, who believed that the natural landscape should be respected and included in living spaces, rather than simply a foundation (laughs) for human construction. His plans, for example, included preservation of the Lake Michigan lakefront in Chicago, the hills of San Francisco and Manila, and the marshland and ponds near the Potomac River in Washington, D.C., Burnham had sometimes been accused of elitism, but evidence uncovered in 1970 that his provision for poorer residents of Chicago with public schools, orphanages, and daycare centers had been edited out of the final edition of the city plan. 
Contemporary Authors Online 2000. In some ways, the return to central cities during the last decades of the 20th century and into the 21st through the development of loft residences spurred by new urbanism and light rail development seems to follow his advice. Burnham's influence lives on socially as well as the physical environment of the cities in which he influenced. On the centennial of Burnham's Chicago plan in 2009, two birthday pavilions were constructed to honor the man. But perhaps the sheer magnitude of growth in cities during the 20th century was too much for most of Burnham's plan. A recent article in a business newspaper in Chicago asked, quote, what would Burnham say, end quote, bemoaning that, quote, despite Mr. Burnham's inspiring words and famed vision for the city, Chicago's approach to planning can best be described as anything goes. Growth in the city and surrounding region has been haphazard, driven more by financial and political factors than any other thing, including a logical plan for a livable and efficient metropolis, end quote. The article went on to list the results, including sprawl, congestion, long commutes, isolated neighborhoods, and, quote, blandness, end quote. Nevertheless, his visionary ideas about urban and regional planning that provide a way to accommodate work, home, and recreation in close proximity to each other remain influential to this day. How cities are organized spatially, the geographic patterns of how people live and work in those cities, how the built environment influences behavior of people, the impact of people on environments through urbanization, are all fundamental themes of urban geography, particularly human geography and urban geography. In part due to his influence, geography departments and universities are often co-located or maintain close associations with planning departments, fostering key research that benefits both disciplines as well as society. Burnham had influence on geography not only due to his ideas and plans, but on the tangible outcomes of those ideas, from parks to buildings. These are the spaces in which 21st century people work and live out their daily lives. Burnham, despite his roots in city planning and architecture, had a deep and revolutionary impact on geography and beyond. This is Joseph Kursky thanking you for joining me on this edition of Thinking Spatially with Daniel Burnham, Making No Small Plans. And as an addendum, I would like to encourage you to visit a small monument to Burnham in Washington, D.C., near one of the famous buildings on the National Mall. Thanks for joining me, and keep on thinking spatially.